Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Marketing Natives. We have an amazing episode with Sean Duncan from SMD Consulting. We're gonna talk about why Sean skipped out on a career with the FBI to chase a life of family and purpose, how SMD created a new model of accounting that every business owner needs to know about, including ourselves, and three, the three categories you should be writing off in your business to save money on taxes. This is an amazing episode. Take a listen. This is The Marketing Natives providing actionable ways to grow, improve, and succeed in your business. And now, your hosts, Christian and Aaron. All right, Sean, thanks so much for jumping on the show. Uh, Looking forward to talking with you more. Welcome to the show. I appreciate it, bud. Looking forward to it. It's been a long time coming. I know. We've been planning this for like five months, six months. At least. Well, we talked about it last year, I think is what it was. Just everybody's schedule was so busy. So yeah, I'm I'm glad we had a chance to finally get it coordinated. No new diseases to screw things up. Yeah, man. Are you uh, remote right now or where are you guys at? Yeah, as much as I would like this to be my office, no, this is is home at this stage. We actually, we were already working pretty remote most of the time. So the conversion to to home office wasn't that big of a deal. Nice. Yeah, I was going to say those, um, I've been eyeing those Stormtrooper heads in the background there. Yeah, two of them are actually full gear. So the third one is just, just because I wanted the bucket. <laughs> and so I, here, I actually, I, it's part of uh, the 501st Legion, which is a 501c3 organization. So when you see Stormtroopers, Darth Vader coming up for hospital visits and make a wishes, I'm one of those guys that does that. Oh, that's awesome. That is pretty cool. Um, I need to introduce you to a guy who's probably right up below you as biggest fan. He's uh, down in Richardson. His name is uh, Lance Gray, and he owns Action Video Service, and he's a huge uh, huge Star Wars fan as well. And He's got some crazy trinkets. His whole office is the same thing, so you guys can definitely geek out. I need to introduce you guys. Yeah, the older I got, the more I realized I was going to go ahead and keep acting like a kid. My seven-year-old self, my promise was one day I'd have a Stormtrooper costume, so now I have two, and I'm working on a on a third. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for jumping on here. Um, so for those of you who do not, or for those who are listening, who don't know who you are, how would you describe yourself? What's your business? Um, so who is, who is Sean Duncan? So, uh, I'm a CPA, which is really automatically a way to get people to walk away from you at a party. So if you ever introduce yourself as a CPA, it's either, Hey, I have a question and then they get free advice or they walk away and refill their drinks. So I've tried not to be whatever, whatever you imagine a typical CPA to be, that's not me. Um, background's different. How I got into this business is totally different. So my entire plan was how do we actually help people out? I've got these skills and this ability and this knowledge to be a CPA. So, and to steal a line from a client that we use for our marketing, we do what you wish your CPA would actually do. We focus on strategy and advice. And so when I show up to work, it's got to matter. We've actually got to be helping people out otherwise. What's the point of doing all this stuff? Interesting. So you've veered off from the traditional CPA services and you're doing something a little bit different. How and why did you get started with that? How and why? So back in 2006, I started the firm and the whole point was how do we actually help people out? Because there's small business owners everywhere. There's tons of amazing, brilliant tax preparers and bookkeepers. But the common thread of what I kept hearing, because I was working at a large regional, there was nobody giving advice, nobody sitting down and dealing with the strategy, nobody figuring out how do you save more money, how do you build more cash flow, whatever it is that business owner wanted. And I made the mistake of saying, well, somebody needs to start a firm like that. And if you ever hear yourself say somebody needs to start that, that pretty much means I'm about to start that. And so 2006 is when I started it off. Plan was me and a couple folks one day, just I would hope to have an office. Fast forward in 2017, we looked up and we were actually the largest firm in Frisco. And I mean, adding hundreds of clients every few months. It was, it was ridiculous, the amount of growth. But the challenge with that was, is while we were famous and known for being the ones that can explain things and give advice, the tax prep was taking us away from our clients and giving the advice. I mean, you, we were chasing deadlines. You, you can't do 1,500 tax returns in a few months and not ignore your clients when they call for a question. And that was just counter to the message, counter to the mission, what we were trying to do. So 2017, that's when we really veered. We, I doubled down on we're there for advice and we fired all of the tax returns. We only do advice. We do books. 
but we do books for the premise of giving advice and helping people with their life plans, their business plans and their strategies. And so why? It, it was the whole purpose. That's why we do what we do. If I just sit down and fill out forms all day, I'm, I'm not going to be a fulfilled guy and I'm not helping people out the way I want to. Dang. Okay. We're going to go there, but I think that, um, you know, just kind of reviewing this, I want to step one step farther back and it's just something that I think people should know is so you, you turned down an opportunity to join the FBI. Can you explain, like, that's just a, I don't know. We want to know more about that. Let's get, let's get into that. And then we can come back to this for a second. Cause I feel like we should, t- we should definitely touch on that. So when I, when I speak into kids, I actually often go to college a lot of times and I'll talk to classrooms about careers in accounting. Cause when people talk about accounting, they think I'm going to grind out tax returns. I'm going to do books. And it's just this kind of routine process, but really with this knowledge, you can do a ton of stuff. And the short version is, is when I was in college, I was just a dumb meathead. I just, kind of getting my way through chasing girls around doing the usual thing that we all do in college. And I didn't have a direction. And I remember sitting in an accounting class and they're talking about careers in accounting and FBI came up. The easiest way to get into the bureau is law, language, and accounting. And I happened to be sitting in an accounting elective, not that I chose it over the other two. I just, it was convenient. And I had that crystal, you know, that bell ring of epiphany that said, that's what you're going to do with your life. And immediately my GPA skyrocketed. I got a master's degree I never intended to get. And taking it even further step back, I'm the kid of a construction worker and no one in my family had a college degree. So this was, I was already blazing a trail that nobody knew what to do. So I'm sitting in this classroom thinking, okay, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to figure this out. Bureau. I mean, it, it was absolutely a calling. And so fast forward, knock out the master's degree. I've got corporate accounting experience. I've got public accounting experience. I'm interviewing with your bureau. It was immediately post 9-11. When they, prior to 9-11, a lot of people don't know, bureau would have six and 12 month hiring freezes. I'd sit my, submit my application and they'd say, great, unless you speak Farsi, call us back in six months. And so post 9-11, hiring started back up again. And I remember it was March of 2003, I was sitting there with my final interview was scheduled. They were flying me to Kansas City. Dallas coordinator said I was his best candidate. Just go through the motions. I'd be in Quantico by September. I mean, and imagine decades worth of work. Everything you did in college, in grad school, and career was leading to that moment. And just as clear of an epiphany, it dawned on me. And after a long conversation with my wife and a lot of soul searching, I realized if I pursued the Bureau, which was highly compelling. I mean, come on, you're carrying a gun, you're chasing bad guys. Um, I wasn't just going to do bureau because I was a dumb meathead. I was also going to do hostage rescue team, which is essentially bureau SWAT. My goal was to jump out of helicopters and kick in doors. And I looked up and realized if I do this and I ever think I'm going to have kids, I'm going to be an absentee dad. I mean, you're going to be gone doing investigations. I mean, they're known for the 16 hour work days. You know, you're, when you do, when you're in the bureau, they tell you to have a three and a 30 day bag pack. And the three-day bag means you're going to be gone for a week or two. And the 30-day bag means it's Oklahoma City bombing. You may not see your family for a month or two or three. And while the mission is compelling, it dawned on me in those moments that I really wanted to be husband and dad so much more than I wanted to chase bad guys. And so I was 30 years old, and I looked up and went, oh, no. I have an accounting degree and a master's degree in accounting. The only reason I had it was to go into the bureau. And I had, and I called him up and I turned him down. I took my name out of candidacy and said that this is not what I need to do with my life. And it was time to reinvent. But it was, it was a very hard decision because it wasn't just a career. That was my identity from that moment, sitting in that accounting elective all the way through grad school and everything else. It was, that was what I was going to be, not so much just some job I was going to do. Wow. How, and how did your, like your family, like, so not only your, like your wife, but I feel like as entrepreneur, like, or, um, just like, as you're growing up, you like, you want to like impress or like, you know, your parents would be proud of you or something like that. And you're about to do this crazy thing, like, which is just amazing. And then like, what was your reaction from your, from your wife and your, um, uh, your parents? It, it was, it was a little all over the map. I mean, there was shock obviously because it was not it was known that I was going. It was known that I was a great candidate. It was like everybody knew the pieces were all in place for this to happen. My wife was amazingly supportive. I mean, in fact, actually, 
the way the conversation went down was a lot of in, in questions, you know, how would this happen? You know, sweetie, you know, they're going to move us. She's that's okay. I'll find a job. You know, that uh, there's, this is again, 2002, 2003 jobs were wide open. When you quit a job and go to find another job, there was, there was a tougher time than just trying to find some open position. Um, I, she knew we would take a pay cut, you know, our income would decrease. And she's like, that's a rate. And then I, when I asked the question about how would this work with kids? I mean, how are we going to manage this? She stepped back and said, I know where you're going with this. And she goes, it's your call. You decide what you want to do. I mean, she was amazing wow. understanding. It's do what you need to do to be fulfilled. We'll figure the rest of the pieces out. The family was also wildly supportive, but there was a lot of a hope. Are you sure? Because, you know, you've been mm -hmm. working on this for really long time. And uh, there was a lot of just double check on it. And it took, it took a little while to be sure. But once I withdrew my name, it was absolutely the right choice. There was, there was no question because it was more important to be president. And I, I didn't have kids, by the way. I just knew that if I did, I needed to be present in their lives and not just some dude that sends a check. Home. Wow. Very interesting. I just, yeah, I was going to say that's, uh, that's just crazy. So, and then what happened, what happened right after this to get you to that point where you guys became the largest, just so we kind of connect the dots here. Like, did you go straight into starting that firm or what happened after that? So, you know what it's, and I, when I tell this to kids, I'm real candid about it is I was a completely lost soul for about two years. I mean, you imagine everything that you've built for the degree that you have, I'm 30 years old and I'm looking up saying, do I go back to school and start all over again? I mean, that was a real question. And it was, you know, what color is your, your parachute and everything you could do for two years, try to figure out. Now, my current employer at the time had no clue. Um, I've told them since because people I used to work with, I told them what the plan was. They had no clue that this was all going on. So I kept working there for a couple years, but it was soul searching. It was about what is, what are you going to do now? And the other clear moment of, of really thinking and introspecting is why was the bureau so compelling? It wasn't just, Hey, I want to do the job. It was a calling. And hmm. it dawned on me that the reason it was so compelling was because the job matters. And that's really the key. The job matters. When I'm laying on my deathbed 400 years from now, because I am absolutely going to be part robot. My kids know it. <laughs> when I look back, did the, all that stuff we do matter? So when you think about everything you do in a day, the amount of hours you put in with work, if you just kind of get by and you just kind of get by at eight or 10 hours a day and kind of do that for 40 years, you kind of wasted your life. Mm -hmm. And that's really important to me is I want to make sure that if I'm going to spend this amount of time, I'm actually doing something meaningful. And by the way, I know that's a very millennial statement and I am very much not a millennial. I was a millennial before they all existed, but the career I have has to matter. And that was, that was it. That was that moment of when I realized it has to count that converged with conversations with prospective small business clients when they were saying they can't find a CPA to help them. They really just want to help. And those two met, those two roads met where I'm trying to find or something that actually matters and helps people. And I'm getting these people that are begging us to help them, but they can't afford the firm I'm with that started the firm. It was, there are people that I can help because I have this skill and knowledge that I can bring forward and, and to get to the firm what we need to do. But then when you talk about 2017, when we stopped doing tax returns, it was actually the same style decision is we were successful by virtue of the number of clients and how big we were and how we were growing, but it wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't meaningful. Doing a tax return is important, but is it really valuable? And that was the value proposition is we weren't helping people the way we wanted to help them just because we were filling out forms. And so it actually wasn't that hard of a decision, even though it was a pretty massive cut. I mean, we're talking about a business that's growing and getting very well known. I won't say famous, getting really well known in the Frisco and the surrounding areas to then just shrink it back down to what its core was supposed to be. But it wasn't that hard because it really brought me back to that exact same moment. It has to matter. And so when we come in, our job is to be, be advisors, to help people out with what they're doing. And it, it just kind of flowed from there. And what's really an unintended consequence, because we did this, we started getting national recognition for what we were doing as uh, innovators in the industry, which wasn't the, pop, the purpose. The purpose was recentering back to, val to the value proposition. But uh, next thing you know, we're getting national awards and invited to speak in, at accounting events. And it, it was, it was, 
the benefit of unintended consequences. Do something right, the next thing you know, doors open for you. And so at this point, it's 2020. You guys are three years into like this new model. What are you realizing or shifting now? Because just from what you're telling me, it seems like you guys are continuing to change and shift and continue to make a better client experience. So what's what has changed now within the last, uh, I don't even know, six months? We've, we're in a pandemic right now or going through a, a pandemic. So has there been any major shifts even in the last six months from what you did whenever you started this in 20, uh, like moved to this new model? Yeah. Absolutely. So the first, actually the first year and a half or so was trying to figure out exactly which way we were going to deliver this. I mean, it was, it was, think of it as a new product. We were beta testing some new product model that we tried to meet with clients monthly. We tried to meet with clients twice a year. We had to figure out what really created value. So the first year and a half was a lot of stress testing to figure out how things came out. Once we nailed that down, we then started expanding the scope of service. So we're now what's called, while we do the business tax and the consulting stuff that we do, we're now a full family office. And are you familiar with the concept of family office? Have you heard that term before? No. Okay. No. So Aaron the billionaire wakes up in the morning and he gets out of bed and goes, you know, I better check on the status of my 76 companies. You know what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call my lawyer and have him add or consolidate or double check some things. And when you, the billionaire, call your lawyer, you're not calling a law firm. You're calling the guy that works for you. And by the way, he's probably sitting in an office next to the accounting team that works for you and the financial advisor and the insurance people. You're so rich and you have so much stuff going on. You have an entire family office of all those professionals that you need. Well, if you think about it, every business owner ever needs a lawyer, needs an accountant, needs an insurance guy, needs a financial advisor for wealth management. And the way it works currently is everybody's kind of goes in networks and shakes hands and then sends referrals back and forth. But there's a segment of the, of the world that's not billionaires that still needs that, that are successful entrepreneurs. There is the family office model where you help the, the less successful, the non-billionaire. So the good earners, the successful business owners still need those resources. We now have pulled that all under one roof. So SMD is now a full family office, not catering to one individual, catering to business owners that need the comprehensive services. So we took our expansion of consulting and now fold in, we'll help have our attorneys draft documents. We'll have our wealth management team balance that out. Because when you're a business owner, you got this high risk investment of your company. How do you balance that out with your wealth building and estate plan and all the things that go with that, whether you're starting a new business or exiting a business. And so we've expanded how much of the comprehensive advice that we excuse me, that we can give by virtue of now nailing down the business and tax part and then adding in all those other services. Wow. So we've been, that's, <laughs> that's great. I mean, I've heard of, I don't know if, um, Christian, I've never talked about this before, but I've heard of like, you know, wealthy people having a team of experts who kind of just manage their stocks and manage, you know, their affairs and stuff like that. But I mean, I've never seen or have heard of anything. I don't know like if Christian has heard of anything either, but like of something like this for the local business or the small business owner. So you guys really are doing something. I mean, something very innovative because I've never heard of it. It makes sense whenever you hear it, but I've just never heard of anybody putting the pieces together like that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess I'm curious. I'm curious, yeah, the process or how do you come up with ideas like this, right? Um, just curious if you have coaches or uh, mentors or anything like that, um, or if it's more of a sort of company thing, right, where you guys get together and you kind of mentioned something right now where uh, you spend a lot of time trying to think of ways to innovate. So just curious on that aspect of your business and your process. Um, when you're yeah coming up with these ideas so it's it's a combination of everything i could possibly do so i i spend and dedicate a lot of time my team knows that i have work on the business days and this is anywhere no less than quarterly but usually six to eight to ten times a day or ten, ten times a year i will hide i'll go off to corner bakery or i'll go sit in a starbucks and you'll see me with like nine notepads a laptop an ipad and all i do is think about how i want to do things What's working? What's not working? I dedicate time. My, I take no calls. I take no emails. I am working on the business that day. 
everything is about what I can do for the next three months to keep us moving toward whatever the mission and the goal is. Um, even in those moments, and this this I've told clients this before, but it terrifies them every time I say it. I even stop and consider, is this what I need to do for my life? Like, should I just shut this company down and start doing something new? And the fact mm -hmm. that I'm still here means I'm still doing my mission. But yes, absolutely, I use coaches. Absolutely, I read books. Absolutely, I go to conferences and get as many ideas. Absolutely, we sit and brainstorm stuff periodically. Not as much as I'd like inside the office, but we have, we try to have as much dialogue about, hey, what about this? Hey, what about that? Um, but my team, my team is a little tired of me coming up with ideas. Like we want mm -hmm. to stay on this idea. Like I, I scream squirrel and then do the next thing. But I know there's those moments when I have 10 ideas in my head and we just have to choose the two or three that we can execute and know the other seven or eight are amazing, but we have to channel ourselves and it's better successfully hit two or three things great than just try to do 10 and, and do them all terribly. And so we're constantly doing, and there's a phenomenal book out there called Traction that talks about this as well, where you focus on your rocks. I know I'm going here in five years. What do I need to do in the next three months to be there? And there's about eight, 10 different paths to get there. There's no one way to reach success. It's just choose the one that's optimal for you. And, I, and you'll screw up. Oh my gosh, the number of times I've screwed up is ridiculous. But it's like Simon Sinekosol will say, keep falling forward. When you screw up, get up, figure out what you learned and keep it moving forward. And that's been a big part of what we'll do. I'm willing to take those chances and try something new and, and try those crazy ideas. So I dedicate a lot of energy toward how can we do this better? What would you say is something you're super excited about now that you guys are either in the midst of or are about to launch? Maybe you aren't able to really share with us yet, but what are you most excited about now with, because it sounds like you're still showing up each day and you're still doing this, what you want to do. So that's good, but you must yeah. be excited about something or just making something more efficient. So what, what is it you're excited about? You know, this family office thing is going so much better than I imagined. So I, I had been researching this for years and it really wasn't I, I get till I really gave it energy late last year and started truly thinking, how are we going to do this and who are we going to work with and how is this going to be and what's the target client going to look like? You know, who's the ideal client? And I dipped my toe in it and it took off like a rocket. I mean, the, when you're a business owner and I'm going to give one client example, clients, a physician, He's five years away from retirement. Physicians make really good money. He has real estate investments. He's trying to figure out, he called me because he knows we understand real estate and real estate investments. That's why he called. Hey, can you help me optimize this? Minimize my tax, improve my cash flow, all the usual accounting nerd stuff. But then we find out he's in this transition period where he's about to retire. He has wealth. How do we bring that into retirement and help him make decisions? How do we do his estate plan? How do we get the money to his kids in the most tax efficient way? How do we help him build more wealth while he's rolling this up? I mean, and he has a pension decision. When he leaves the job, how does he take the check? Is it a lump sum? Is it an annuity? There's all these decision points business owners have, and this is just one, but that is the whole point of the family office. It's not just a tax question. It's a tax. It's a wealth management. It's an estate. It's those things have just been taken off like crazy. And it doesn't mean that they're more fulfilling or less fulfilling. Because if I have that early stage business owner that's really rocking and rolling and trying to understand how to run a business and doesn't even know the accounting rules and I can say, make those changes and you'll save $20,000 a year on taxes, that's pretty awesome too. But I'm, I'm super excited on how we're helping the successful business owner bring it to another echelon that we never could do before. Because I was never a trust and estate expert. I mean, that's a whole different set of tax law. We now have the trust and estate team that can come in and balance that against all the other stuff that's going on. So it's, it's turned out much more successful than I ever imagined it would be. Um, and the second one is more of a surprise. I had no idea that COVID would actually help our business. Um, hmm. We've been doing Zoom meetings for a while. We've been trying to get as many clients as we possibly could. Just let's just do a Zoom. There's no need to drive to the office. Just Finish what you're doing, we'll log on, we'll cover everything we need to cover, and that saves you that time. But, oh no, I need to come in. Or if a client's in Fort Worth and we're in Frisco, and oh, you're just too far. When COVID hit, everyone went remote. And so then suddenly Zoom meetings were completely acceptable. And I had one week, a few weeks ago, I had meetings with people in nine different states. 
And they're, most of them were prospects calling us up from California, from Hawaii, from Colorado, that it doesn't matter where we are. We're still, we can still do the work and help people out. And that, that immediately just broadened our reach. We could help more people just by virtue of uh, the pandemic making this kind of a conversation acceptable. How would you, I guess since this is kind of a new model, how did you figure out pricing for it? Since it's more of like, like you said, a consulting package, but you're actually doing some work. So it's like, there's a, there's a mix between the two of them. So how do you, how do you do, how have you set up your pricing for that? So we actually, one of the things we also did in 2017 is we killed the hourly rate. We don't bill by the hour. We fix fee everything. And so a lot of that's leveraging on experience, but it's a, it's a concept called value pricing. Um, but it's largely due to complexity. Now, if I help you guys out and I save you $40 million a year, I'm not going to charge you 10 bucks. But it also means I'm not charging you 10%. My license doesn't allow me to charge a percentage of tax savings. I would lose my license. It's about what do you have going on, how complex it is, and we extrapolate the amount of time and value we can add from it. And so it's a little bit of a hybrid of what we know going on from experience and what we know the complexities could be, but also it marries up how much, how much good are we going to do for you and where it's going to go. So it's, there's no one answer. And that was part of that year and a half to two years of stress testing to find out where that happy medium was. Um, but we did discover that if we do the hourly rate, people don't contact us. One of the single biggest barriers we ran across for a CPA actually being able to help people out is nobody actually picks up the phone. Because imagine if you, you have a question and you're going to ask your CPA if you can write off your golf cart in your business. And you're going to go, eh, I'm not going to call them and pay 75 bucks just to answer some stupid question. I'm going to Google. Well, Google, by the way, is a big fat honking liar when it gives you advice. <laughs> but if you knew that you were paying a fixed fee every month anyways, and you can call your CPA or email them as many times as you want on those little questions, you're more likely to get the correct information customized to your specific situation, and it's not an incremental cost. But man, if you got to pay a quarter hour of time, everybody feels like they're getting nickel and dime. So we did that to kill that and open the door for conversation. And again, that's been... That's been amazing too. Client can just ping us. Hey, am I allowed to do this? Nope. You're done. But if they go Google, they'll find out it's allowable in Puerto Rico and suddenly they think that it applies to Texas. And next thing you know, you got a $10,000 cleanup project. Christian's taking offense to that right now. He's from Puerto Rico. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Puerto Rico has an amazing tax rate if you're there, but so many people think that they can just leverage that. There's, this, there's a lot of articles out there that if you start your business in Puerto Rico, you can get the advantage of the 4% tax rate. Yeah, but you got to be there something like 250 days a year. And then the client goes, oh, I'm not going to be there that much. Then it doesn't apply. Now, if you are going to move to Puerto Rico and be there 250, let's talk about your 4% tax rate because we can play some games there. So because we're unique, because we have this weird niche of being advisors and we have certain types of clients, what has been your best experience in finding, getting to the right audience? Not just Google ads and the simple, I mean, everybody can do their pay-per-click. What's a meaningful way for a business owner with a unique niche, as we obviously have, to, to reach the correct audience so that they can actually attract the right people to become clients and not have to filter through as many uh, just random prospects? That's that actually follows in perfectly with what um, what our messaging platform would, would we would tell you is that so you should be creating content, which I assume that you are. Um, the best way for you to get in front of your audience is to allow them to opt themselves into it. So, for example, we have a three like three tier approach that you should that we tell everybody to use, which is one lead with something that's like a thought reversal, which means it's like a common misbelief, misconception, whatever it is about your industry, which you fall into perfectly that says that, hey, I'm an accountant and this is what I do or this is what they are supposed to do. So you would con you would um, flip that on its head and say, <clears throat> this is the old school way of doing accounting. And you would lead with this type of video. Um, whatever it is like, so for us, it would say like, stop doing, you know, 
or stop showing up to networking events if we were doing that. Like if we were targeting local businesses, we'd say stop going to networking events to grow your business. And we'd, that'd be a thought reversal. So lead with a thought reversal and then a connection video, which is like, okay, let's find out more about who you are, which you've done on this podcast, which you could use again, cut it up later is, okay, who is Sean? He's a family guy. He started a business. He can relate to you. Um, you're going after business owners. You're looking for people who want to spend more time with their family. You're looking for more people who want efficiency. They want all the access. So now everybody's like, wow, I can connect with Sean, which is great. And then you do a third type of video, which is what to do video. So now you need to explain to them, this is what you should do. So like you just explained again, hey, Christian, if you live in Puerto Rico 250 days out of the year, let's talk about your tax rate. But if not, these are other ways that I can help you with your taxes or the things that you could do. Most people don't come up with those three types of approaches. And if they do, they forget one big key, which is you should focus on video number one, which is that thought reversal and get them to watch 75, 25 to 75% of that video, depending on the length so that then they watch a connection video. And if they watch 25 or 75, then they see the what to do video. And if they watch 25 or 75% of that video, then you show them an offer to schedule a consultation or to do a free training or to do something. So then you don't have to worry about finding your target audience because they've already raised their hand and said, oh, I love what SMD is doing. I'm going to watch this video. Oh, I love Sean and I love what they're about. Okay, great. I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch this other video. So now I already think that they're doing something that's a breath of fresh air. And secondly, I like Sean and he's giving me advice. So now I trust him and it's just logical for me to jump on a phone call with them. So now your close rate goes up that you already have an authority and you don't have to worry about people who are not your perfect ideal client. Cool. That's awesome. What question do you have for accounting nerd? Oh, well, that would have been one of my questions is because one of our employees uh, wanted to say, hey, what do we have to have like a satellite office? Do you really have to live over in Puerto Rico? So that actually has been a topic of conversation before. Um, mm -hmm. I think, well, I'll go to Christian too. My, mine is more so like, what is the question we're not asking? So like we, we save our receipts, we take pictures of that, we have all those um, and we write off pretty much, I mean, I feel like everything, what's something that is a common thing that most people you see don't write off that they should be writing off. Um, I don't know. I think that's probably a question. Like, I don't know if we're not asking the right question to know if we're doing the right stuff. Right. So a uh, twofold answer to that. So the first, first is actually related to why we do the business model the way we do. You should be asking that as the year is going, as opposed to at tax time. So you come in at tax time and say, okay, here's all my stuff and here's what I want you to do. And I want you guys to fill these forms out. By the way, the CPA is drowning in work by the time you show up with those forms. This is the misconception and why the tagline of we do what you wish your CPA would actually do. When you drop your stuff off, you're assuming that your CPA is looking it over and going, all right, what else can I find for them? That's not what's happening. The CPA thinks their job is I got to get this in and I got to get it accurate and I got to keep the price down and get it done as fast as possible. And that gap between those two expectations is pretty tremendous. But even if you do ask those questions at that time, your time machine probably doesn't work to make that expense occur back in then. So you want to have those conversations as a relationship throughout the year about, okay, here you talk with your CPA about this is what's going on. What should I be thinking about? Because if you're having that conversation right now, it's August, and we were sitting down and looking over your stuff and having a conversation about, well, we would want to know, where are you going? What do you expect the rest of the year to look like? What's next year going to look like? What can you do? What do you want to accomplish? So that's the first part is doing it concurrently without the year, throughout the year so you don't miss it. Because when it's March, can't go back and create the expense. Now, a specific answer to your, to your uh, question is mileage, cell phone. And actually, I'll, I'll do it the way I teach my classes. There's three categories of expenses that I say that they're typically on. There's the category of expenses that there is no way you would have ever spent this stinking money had it not been for this business. That microphone and right in front of you, you would have never bought that had it not been for the business that you're in. That's a business deduction, right? It just, right. It's not the ordinary course of life. The second category is the stuff that you would have spent money on, but you really need them for business. That's where your cell phone, your laptop, your iPad, all those tools and things that you're spending money on, yeah, you probably would have had, a, had mileage on your car. How do we position that as business expenses? That's the stuff that people miss all the time. 
And I'm telling you, the number of times I miss mileage and cell phone. Cell phone's $1,200 deduction. Mileage is usually anywhere between four dollars to $10,000 of deduction. Those two by themselves are constantly missed. The third category is the stuff where you kind of go, Sean, how can I make this look like business expense? <laughs> That's when you're going to Vegas. Sean, I really want to go to Vegas. Can I make that a business expense? There are ways to do it. I own a Miss Pac-Man cocktail table machine that is a business expense because by golly, it was in my lounge at my office for three, for three years. Now it might've gotten moved to storage because we needed that office for somebody else. Why did I do that? Well, it, it was cool for everybody to scream and yell about who has the high score and it was really nice for everybody to go in and chill out and play. I bought it because I wanted it and I positioned it as a business expense, a legitimate business expense because it was in there for use for the entire team. But it started with, I really want one of these Miss Pac-Man cocktail table machines that has 60 games in one. How do I make it a tax deduction? There's a way. There's a way to do it, but it, you don't push it so far because you got that old saying of pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. You got to know where that line is, and that's why your advice is going to be a really big deal for folks. Um, and the one single biggest mistake, single biggest mistake every business owner, I can't tell you the number of times we've fixed this and saved tens of thousands for somebody. You have the wrong entity type. You just made the wrong choice. And one of my seminal stories from last year, and sorry if I'm boring you with the story on this, but this one was the slam dunk. In fact, you know Larry West. Larry West works yep. for me. He, Larry and I are sitting in a meeting with this prospect, and he comes in, and his whole point was he feels like he's wasting money. He's almost positive he's wasting money. CPA doesn't ask any questions. He hands us his tax return, and I look at his tax return, and I go, oh. And I turn to Larry and go, Larry, you think about that? What about fifty thousand? He goes, Yeah. What about this one? You think fifty or a hundred? He goes, Ooh, could be a hundred, but let's say fifty. Okay. That was the full extent of the conversation, and I'm not exaggerating. I pointed a line. It was so bad that Larry and I just immediately picked up on it. When we say fifty thousand, the two mistakes this guy was making could save him between a hundred and a hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year in taxes. What? The first one, the 50,000, was the wrong entity type. The second was a completely missed deduction opportunity that's just easy because he makes so much money. Slammed up, right? I mean, we look like heroes in five minutes. Here's the kicker. It's gonna take some work to get things changed over and get it fixed. It was gonna be $10,000 worth of work to make everything get back on track. One time, but $10,000. His response was, Oh, I've never paid $10,000 for an accountant. I, I, I can't afford that. No, sir, you're, you're going to save every year from here on out for as long as you have your business. 100,000, maybe 150,000, just for these two changes we're gonna recommend. You need to do this. Even if it's not us, please call someone. Nah, it sounds like a lot of work. That was 12 months ago, that was last summer. And we checked in with them and his response at the end of the year, and this, is, this truly happens, I wish it didn't because it bugs me. It bugs me because I knew we could help this guy. If you've not have noticed from our conversation, helping people's a big deal. He got to the end of the year, I'm like, look, man, you, you need to make these changes. I can't, I mean, you're literally throwing $10,000 a month in a hole because you're missing these opportunities. And his reply was, ah, I make quite a bit of money. It's not like I need the other 100,000. What? Yeah. Imagine how much good you could do in the world with $100,000 you don't need. How many, you could hire people, you could hire two people, pay them $50,000 a year, send the elevator back down and, let, and give them a shot at life, right? Give them 50K. You could donate to charity. You could do a million different things. Over the course of 10 years, this guy could make a million dollar impact on people's lives. And his response was, meh, paperwork. I can't fix that. But the thing is, is we have this happen all the time. He's one of the examples where it frustrated us that we couldn't help him because he wouldn't let us help him. But it started with, he had the wrong entity type. And normally we're saving five and 10,000 a year because of the entity type. This was a little bit bigger number, but it's, it's so common as just to be silly. We'll walk in and go, all right, we know the first change. It's just right there. There's 10,000 bucks for you. And, and it happens. I would say if it doesn't happen less than twice a week, I'd be or more than twice a week, I'd be shocked. 
Like I have enough prospect meetings every single week that we look at it and go, okay, we're going to fix that. And then everything else is gravy. We basically pay for ourselves. I would say pay for, let's be conservative. We pay for 50% of our services, usually in the first one or two things that we do most of the time that we tell people that it's time to hire us. Now we do tell people not to hire us sometimes. Sometimes you're, we can't help. You know, if you make 10 bucks a year and um, it's a side business and all you do is, uh, I don't know, you sell sticky notes and you make $10 of taxable income a year, I'm not going to be able to help too much because our fees are, are not commensurate with saving you money on $10. But a couple hundred thousand dollars, there's a lot of opportunity hiding in that. So I gave you a long answer to your question, but it, it starts with plan as the year goes on communicate with that CPA, but the more, the more realistic things that people screw up is they miss the basic deductions like mileage and cell phones, and they completely screw up their entity type, which immediately sets the foundation wrong. Yeah. Dang. We need to sit down with you and uh, <laughs> check, over, check over everything. Console, come on in. We're happy to help. <laughs> He's going to get us in there. We're going to be like, no, we're not doing this. This sounds like too much money to save. I don't need no stinking money. <laughs> yeah. Just just keep it. Please keep giving it to the government. Yes. Um, oh, because, but they do spend it so well. I mean, they're very efficient on how they spend your money. So, I mean, of course we... Uh, oh, yeah. Let's just keep giving it to them. Yeah. They know, my better, they know our money better than us. So, I mean, it makes sense. All right. So, these are going to get into some tougher questions. Um, okay. So, I don't know if you do anything to prepare yourself. Um, I'm just, I'm just Caffeine. Kidding. There you go. Okay. If that's all coffee, that is impressive. It's not coffee, but it's an energy drink. Same thing. It's, okay. That's after I spike it with this stuff. I was going to, so one of the questions was going to be what you, what do you attribute your success? But I think we can move on. Cause I think you just answered it right there. Right. <laughs> what do I, you know, actually I love that question because I've had, a, I had a college kid ask me this a few months ago. It is, I hate to say just shut stubborn sheer stubbornness is it's effort. It's work. Um, I went to college with some guys that are so much smarter than I am. I mean, there's, there, you just meet them. You, you've met those people. They're just brilliant, mm -hmm. but they didn't get anywhere because they rested on the laurels. And, and I knew that I had to work. Um, it's not, and by the way, there's a misconception of the term called hustle. Everybody talks about their hustle and how they're going to work. And they think that work is 14 hour, 16 hour days. That's not my mission. If I start working 14 hour days, I'm not seeing those kids that I turn the FBI down for. But it's when you work, work with intention. Mm -hmm. Figure out the plan, execute the plan. Um, if the plan has to change, it's totally cool. But when I decide to do something, I will absolutely do that. I refuse to fail. Um, I, I just passed a securities license. I'm 47 years old and I had to go study for another stinking test. But the securities license made us better at the family office. So I needed to do it. And I just, I'm going to do it. So stubbornness really pays off. When I say I'm going to, I honor my commitment. It's very cool. Excellent question. Excellent answer. To the question. So here's another one. In the last five years, what's a new <laughs> belief, behavior, or habit that has most improved your life? Ooh. Low carb diet. I know that sounds really dumb. Actually, I'm, there's all this other research that's saying that's not healthy. Um, went back in uh, the funny story with this is back in 2000. Gosh, I want to say it's 15 or 16. Whenever we went to Thailand, so we were going to go to Thailand. My wife pointed out that we were going to be on the beach, and when she pointed that out, I understood what she meant. She didn't want me to get harpooned, so um, she challenged me with this low carb diet thing. And so for two and a half months. And by the way, anybody that knows me knows I am a massive sugar fiend. I have literally wrote for Lifestyle Frisco an article on desserts. Um, people that we all know know that if they want to talk about desserts, I'm your guy. Um, but I love my sweets. So when I, uh, my wife challenged me on this diet, it was probably the hardest possible thing that I'd ever done. But for two and a half months, no carbs, no sugar, no dairy. I dropped 25 pounds and I was 40, 45 years old, or no, 43 years old. And I had a six pack for the first time in my entire life. And I remember wow. looking back going, what in the world? Why did I not <laughs> learn this? So that 
led to oh, just a general feeling of healthier. I was, I was leaner. I was just felt better. And when I felt better, business execution, life, kids, everything was just more positive. That's awesome. And it's crazy too, because a lot of people think that like, oh, you get to a certain age and then, you know, it's just, you're going to be sore. You're going to go downhill. Like you can't really progress. It's just like, all right, as you get older, this is just the things that happen. And you kind of flipped it on its head, which is really awesome. I'm, I'm going to fight it kicking and screaming because I got to, I got to hold on until they can upload me to the robot. There we go. <laughs> what, what's your, what's you and your wife or maybe your wife uh, doesn't want to watch. What's your current Netflix binge right now? Ooh, uh, we're actually finishing up uh, Watchmen. So I did the Watchmen on, it's on HBO. It's actually, well, it's HBO, but not Netflix. So I guess it kind of, it's either still cinema or series related shows. I'm right. trying to think of what, my kids have watched Parks and Rec now. I think they're in a third watch through. So um, nice. if I, yeah, if, if I hear another Mouse Rat song, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I really don't. You don't like Mouse Rat? Are you kidding me? Sean, uh, wow. Actually, I bought my wife a mouse rat shirt, and I have a Pawnee Festival shirt. So, you know, little Sebastian and I are big buddies. I was going to say, little Sebastian, man. Yeah. Still miss that guy. Um, (laughs) I recently started watching that. Well, it's been about a year now. So, like, throughout my wife's pregnancy, um, I watched that whole show, and then my daughter was born. But it was just like, it's like the last show that I'll ever watch without having a daughter. And I was just like, I love Parks and Rec. I just never was like... I don't know. It came up whenever I was in college. I just don't think I was mature enough to watch it, even though Parks and Rec is definitely like not mature. I just seemed like it was way too advanced or whatever, but it's such a good show. Oh, yeah. Well, of course, I, I love Mandalorian, which is not Netflix, but go back and watch Community if you haven't watched Community. That was fun to rewatch with Donald Glover and everybody in it. Um, my kids, it was funny as we watched Community, and then on purpose, I put in Han Solo, the solo story, and they realize that you know lando calrissian was donald glover and then they they their heads exploded <laughs> wow yeah community is about community college right yeah my, okay yeah, I mean, yeah because of donald glover then when we showed her this is america and she's nine by the way this is america's video not appropriate for a nine-year-old but we're really bad parents sometimes and so now my daughter has declared um start of the school year she holds the plaque up of all her favorite stuff her favorite song is this is america oh gosh yeah <laughs> And she knows what it means. It's not, it's not just because of the beat. We actually had the conversation because right now that's obviously a whole, a whole different topic of conversation, just what's going on in our world. But um, yeah. yeah, my nine-year-old daughter's favorite song is This is America because community introduced her to Donald Glover and he's Lando Calrissian and what the heck he also sings. <laughs> I know, which is even, yeah, even more impressive because I was like, who the heck is this guy anyway? I didn't know he was in community. So, all right, I'm going to have to go check that out. Yep. I think, oh, this is a good question for you. I, I'm actually curious because I feel like you ha- you definitely have an answer to this. What's a purchase of $100 or less that has most positively impacted your life in the last, I would say, six months or years? $100 or less? I was waiting for you to say $100 or more, and then I was going to grab one of those. Um, <laughs> $100 or less? You know what? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a non-purchase because it's free. But I okay. gotta tell you, it changed my life. Cheap DFW. Have you heard of the website Cheap DFW? No. Mm-hmm. What's that? Cheap DFW is a website. It's a fa- Facebook. You can sign up on Telegram. It's got a website. They post out when deals pop up with airlines. And and the reason I I point this out last year, three trips I booked because of Cheap DFW. We went to Hawaii for two hundred and seventy dollars a person. Round trip airfare. What? We went to St. Croix, $80 a person round trip. And we went to Orlando uh, for $90 round trip per person. And also, assuming Auckland doesn't have another outbreak, we're going to New Zealand this November for $370 a person round trip. Wow. All right, so, cheap DFW. Nobody else get onto that site. I don't want anybody else to mess this right. part of it up. <laughs> yeah, but it, 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 so it wasn't actually the purchase itself. It led to purchase. But the fact that we track it, my man, I have taken trips. I've taken trips I had no intention of taking. I had no intention of going to New Zealand this year. This year was actually supposed to be China. Odd timing, I know. Um, but <laughs> that was the original plan. Things have changed a little bit. 
but St. Croix was just on a whim. My wife went, holy crap. And she told me, by the way, we're going to St. Croix in May. Okay. And then she showed me why for 80 bucks a ticket. Of course, we're going to St. Croix. Yeah. Golly. That is crazy. I'm going to get on that like right after this uh, call. <laughs> yeah. Log, log through the tel Telegram. You'll get the faster uh, updates. Telegram? Telegram. It's an app. It's like a texting app. We'll see you oh. now. You got another thing. Totally free. It's basically just a notification texting kind of message board app. But they'll, they'll send them there faster than they would on Facebook. Okay. Good to know. Okay. And I'm assuming that their whole model, we can talk offline or whatever, but is just that there's only a limited amount of those, which is why they're such great deals. Yep. Yep. And they actually, they don't necessarily, I think they get more of their money from Patriot, uh, pa you know, the Patreon, Patreon, whatever we're going to mm. call it. People subscribe to their different levels and tiers, but they don't get a kickback from the airlines. They just are notifying you. It's, at least that's the way it seems. I don't know. They're not a client, so I can't dig into the model that deep. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, Sean. Um, how can our audience find out more about you? What's the best place for them to connect and how can they uh, reach out to you about your new model for uh, consulting for businesses? Sure. Uh, well, our website is smdaccounting.com. So that's always the easiest way is just hit the website. And of course, there's Facebook. So SMD Consulting and Accounting and Facebook is a, is a great way to reach us as well. Um, email is info at smdaccounting.com. And then they can always call at 469-252-4547. We do a one hour no charge. So if somebody just says, look, I got a business and I got questions, bring it on. Uh, I've, had, I've had meetings that we've got into the meeting and we're asking lots of questions. And then that of course leads to an engagement because we got to do a bunch of stuff. I've had plenty of meetings where I give them two or three answers and going, look, you're cool. In fact, actually this afternoon, I'm, my presentation for a proposal to a client is going to be, our prospect is, let's wait three months. There's no need to pay us yet. What you've got going on, we won't help you with value. I think you need a few more months and then we'll decide before the year ends. Sometimes it just means, here's the advice, good luck, call me in three years. And I have truly had people call me back in two or three years. You know, this is when it's time to hire us. Um, and our specialties, the niches that we've developed, uh, real estate investors like crazy, medical practitioners, typically when they have three or fewer owners, in a business, I mean, we do tons of work for them. And then service-based professionals. And service-based is everything, right? It's, it's IT consulting, it's marketing consulting, it's that service-based professional that doesn't understand what they can and can't write off, and then doesn't understand how to build the wealth. Um, that's, that's a big part of it. And then we have those people that are successful, like this dude that didn't want his $100,000 a year. I mean, that, he clearly makes good money, right? I mean, if you can throw $100,000 a year in a hole, you're obviously doing well. What could you do with your entire plan? That's, that's where it gets a lot of fun. But we don't know until we meet you. And that's why we just say, let's just have the meeting, figure out how we can help people out. And it, it has been working really well in, in reaching out to the audience and helping people with their situations. Awesome. Thanks so much, Sean. We appreciate you coming on here. Really good to chat with you. I appreciate it, man. It was a lot of fun. The Marketing Natives Podcast is a production of Bit Branding.